I am back, rested and relaxed from vacation, only because I took the advice of so many coworkers through the years that you really need a vacation from your vacation. So we came back on Friday and rested and recuperated on Saturday and Sunday, and it does feel amazing because, quite honestly, I go hard, treat vacation like religion. So you might just catch me drinking wine at 10 a.m. I want to thank everybody for sending in their vacation stories. I wish I could use them all. It seemed a lot of you were on vacation with me. Well, not with me, but at the same time as I saw on social media. And that was absolutely amazing. It made for a lot of fun. I thank everyone. We're going to get back to it. I don't know if you noticed, but last week... We were on tape delay. Today, though, and the rest of eternity, it seems, we will be live on tape again. So keep your call-ins coming as we talk about bullets, ballet, and bourbon as we get loaded and take a shot at joshing around. I made a stop to Disney's Animal Kingdom on my vacation to see the floating mountains of Pandora, which prompted a rewatch of that movie, Avatar, when I got home. And ever since then, I've been using phrases from the Navi. I see you on social media. Throughout my vacation, I see you. But I wasn't posting very much myself, except for one bad joke in response to somebody that posted about the immigration debate that, gosh, leaving my kids at the daycare gym for just an hour is hard enough. I couldn't imagine being separated from them for weeks on end. To which I immediately responded, gosh, Especially if you knew that the gym was going to take your kids from you, that would have to be one hell of an elliptical machine to have you even go through the door. And you know what? I felt bad about it, as I do for almost every social media post. So I did delete that and figure I'd just save that gym for my show where people already know that I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's not my place to take a stand on any issues, just to offer a punchline after I give the facts. With that in mind, I'm glad I was out of town for the height of this immigration discussion. While it's not over, it seems that sound minds might prevail after all. But I've done a lot of reading on both sides of it, and it seems that a strong border is a big part of the problem. Farmers, for instance, are having trouble finding people to pick their wares. So until we get a Tesla strawberry picker, we really need to welcome what used to be a circular migration of people coming up through the southern border of America picking fruits throughout their seasons, and then going back home to where their families are. But when it's so hard to cross the border, they're really dissuaded from going back, but instead inviting their families to come over. Now, big business, they welcome a bunch of illegal workers because those people can't call anybody to say they're being mistreated. Well, with all that in mind, a lot of people aren't fleeing just for work, and they're not looking for the American dream either. A lot of the migration is coming from what's known as the Northern Triangle, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. These people are escaping poverty and crime. El Salvador, for example, is the current murder capital of the world with 104 murders per 100,000 people. Chicago, for example, the murder capital of the United States is a quarter of that at 25 people per 100,000. So, Gosh, let's just let these people through and find somewhere for them to be. Have you seen a map of America at night? Half of it is dark. Let's turn some lights on in the Midwest. I don't mean to sound like Tom Bodet there, who's been leaving the light on for you at the Motel 6 since 1986. I don't even know what he's famous for anymore. With that said, while I was away, 
somehow straws became public enemy number two. I'm not sure if it was a distraction from the immigration debate or if a powerful conglomerate has invested into stainless steel straws. Now, I agree, plastic straws are probably awful for the environment, but how this became a huge debate is just another tribute to the slow summer news season. I had an epic vacation day at Disney's Magic Kingdom, and it all began with a haircut on Main Street. I got through the turnstiles, found a photo pass photographer, and took my before shot right in front of Cinderella's castle. Then I registered at the barber shop right next to City Hall and took my place next to a ton of kids getting child's first haircut. Because while an adult cut is a deal at $19, baby's first haircut is only $25, and that includes a locket of baby's hair, some stickers, and a Mickey ear cap that says my first haircut on the back. It's adorable. Well, as I sat down with Heather, my barber for the day, she asked me, what do you want? To which I replied, I'll take the Prince Charming, please. <laughs> Without missing a beat, she said, okay, three on the side with scissors on the top. Uh, yeah, I said. And then she really started to inspect my hair and said, you don't want that, do you? You want a scissor cut all around? Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. And as she got into it, we started to talk, as you're apt to do at the salon or the barber shop. And that's where I found out that Heather was just filling in today doing baby's first haircuts. Her home park was Animal Kingdom. Well, what do you do there? Well, typically I work on the Lion King show. She says, you know, performers need their hair cut a little, a little to look fresh when they go on stage. Maybe a mane needs to be trimmed here and there just to make it look their best. And then sometimes, Heather says, she gets called over to Hollywood Studios because more often than you would think, a kid will stick gum in Chewbacca's hair and they have to have an actual stylist to cut it out. What a prima donna that Chewie is. We logged a lot of vacation hours by the hotel pool and each time I'd walk to the bar to grab a daiquiri or a colada, my eyes would wander to the TV above the bar and typically find a World Cup soccer match being played. So by the time I got home, I was in full soccer frenzy. This weekend, I grabbed that ball I bought an Impulse a few weeks ago, dragged my daughter out to the field, and began to volley the ball, doing a couple rainbow kicks, even tempted to try a bicycle kick before I finally scored a massive goal above the outstretched arms of my 11-year-old right in the top corner. Then I ran around the pitch like a fool, before diving onto my knees with my arms outstretched as I screamed, GOAL! Only to realize that I was wearing the tiniest of socks and the shortest of shorts, while my heroes I had seen on TV doing the same thing were wearing shin guards with long socks, not to mention they're professional athletes who have done this thousands of times since they're teens. So, joke's on me, but I was able to get up and walk off on my own accord, not letting my daughter know the pain I was in. Here we are two and a half days later, and the raspberries have still yet to heal. It's been liberating not having the United States in the World Cup because instead I've gotten to rally around the flags of the countries where my people once roamed. So to that I say, go Germany, go England, going all the way back to where it all began, go Nigeria. Wait, what's that? Oh, I'm getting word now that that's not the Nigerian national anthem. I'm sorry about that. From nationalism to xenophobia to jingoism, there's definitely some strife in America these days. I saw an opinion piece in the New York Times by Michael Blow that described something linked to Pat Buchanan as white extinction anxiety. He also dubbed Donald Trump as Pat Buchanan light, giving people just what they need at the right time. Now, 
I think extinction might be a little harsh, but being majority minority, I think is great for America. And I can tell you a perfect example of why. The American story is that of making something from nothing. Well, actually, it's the story of second-born sons that took some of daddy's money to a new world in order to escape the reach of their older brother. But in this day and age, the American dream is alive and well and being sure that one generation is better than the next. And I can see it in the stories handed down in my family. I've said before that my dad went to segregated schools here in this area. He graduated in 1962. Well, I graduated in 1997, and I remember in the 80s, they would bus kids from three towns over tens of 20 miles away just to be sure that our beachside schools were still integrated, no matter the town population. Well, I live in a different beachside community today, but I'm proud to say that my son's best friend lives three doors down. He's a kid of the same skin tone from those buses, but yet his mom's a doctor with a better job and a nicer house than ours. Of course, color doesn't really matter to those at the top, just money and power, which is why gun control is so important, because nobody wants to own property that can properly fight back. Not a rant, just a reminder that we do need to take democracy back before it dies. So the next time you're bound to a ballot box, Remember that a more perfect politician might be a debt-free 50,000-air rather than an air quotes billionaire who owes money to mysterious forces around the globe. I have a Walt Disney World discount card called Tables in Wonderland that offers 20% off food and alcohol at most restaurants on property. In addition, it offers free valet parking, which we used each and every time we went to eat and drink around the world. So much so that by the end of the trip, the kids were asking, are we going to do ballet parking? Speaking of driving, because this is an equal opportunity comedy show that speaks truth to both power and weakness, I want to say congratulations to the women of Saudi Arabia who were just recently granted the ability to legally drive. Said one Saudi woman, driving made her feel free like a bird. And to that, I want to offer more liberating information by providing a link to a YouTube video where I mansplain how to apply makeup behind the wheel. And finally, the saddest news of the day, when a warehouse containing over 9,000 barrels of whiskey collapsed in Kentucky over the weekend, more than half of the barrels broke and ran off into Withrow Creek, which flows into Beach Fork River, causing over 800 happy fish to turn up dead. Now, Kentucky is home to a total of 6.8 billion barrels of aging bourbon. The company responsible for this spill is called Barton 1792, which is a discount bourbon owned by the Sazerac Liquor Company. Sazerac is a New Orleans variation of a whiskey cocktail named for Sazerac de Forge Fil, a brand of cognac brandy that served as its original main ingredient. The drink is mostly a combination of cognac or rye whiskey, absinthe, bitters, and sugar, though you can easily substitute bourbon for cognac. Now, the Sazerac Company was founded after the purchase of a bar known as the Sazerac Coffee House in 1869. The coffee house established in 1850 had its hand in making Sazerac so popular. That drink began in the mid-1800s by Creole immigrant Anton Amadie Pechon, who opened a pharmacy in the French Quarter of New Orleans in 1838. The company, Sazerac, is one of the two largest spirit companies in the U.S. with annual revenues of about a billion dollars made selling mostly about 300 discount brands of booze. Now that we've shot our shot, it's time to check the mirrors and vote this episode out of office because you don't need the bullet when you got the ballot. Are you up for the downstroke? As the vanilla suburbs swirl, 
Thanks for letting me be your audio prince, Charming. Rate the show on iTunes, tell your friends, and follow along on the blogs at Joshua Around. While I try to ease the anxiety of my own extinction, I remind you to never sleep on the American dream, even during the rapid ear movement caused by Joshin' Around. <laughs>